0: chose to go this route, we're in chapter 3, and I chose to go this route to try to bring an understanding of what's happening through the whole Bible. Chapter 3 introduces a doorway, what I've taught before is I believe the moment they sinned, I believe a doorway of time was open, and God began to measure time, and it becomes the first prophetic word spoken in, in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. God will speak a prophetic word. So there's a lot that goes on just beyond I ate a piece of fruit and welcome to a sinful world. So, what I want to share, I pray, will stretch your brain to open up to see how the Bible makes sense across the whole scope of the Bible from Genesis 3. Let's jump in. We're going to backtrack to Genesis chapter 1 to. Try to gain an understanding of what was Lucifer, who will show up in Genesis 3 as the serpent, what was Lucifer doing when he hijacked the serpent and what was he wanting to accomplish that would carry across as long as we're in this time frame as humans bound to time, what is he trying to do? Let's read it. Genesis 1, verse 28. And then God blessed them, that's Adam and Eve, and said this, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern, reign over the fish in the seas, the birds in the sky, and all the animals scurry along the ground. As I was preparing it, this scripture jumped in my heart, and I want to launch what I believe is going on in chapter 3. I wrote this question down under our first thought on our worksheet Is what's the one thing humans can do that Lucifer cannot do? He was one of the most brilliant, beautiful, wise angels. We've seen that as we've studied him. He was created by God in his brilliance. He was created in perfect beauty. He was created in perfect wisdom. But there was something humans created by God that they could do, that Lucifer could not do, that I think sets the whole stage of the battle that lies in front of us. First, Lucifer and humans both can govern. Lucifer could govern his kingdom and Adam and Eve were required by God to govern. So nothing real fancy here. When God told Adam and Eve to govern, it was pretty clear what govern meant. Lucifer had governed, but he had fallen in rebellion and lost that ability and right. Number two, Lucifer and humans can both reign. They can be in charge, they can rule over uh, kingdoms, they can rule over other beings, and we've seen that in our studies that Lucifer ruled an entire kingdom uh, for God, and that was his purpose and his creativity of how God created him. Number three, Lucifer and humans can both fill the earth. When we read about Lucifer, uh, he took a bunch of angels with him over one-third. I don't know what myriads upon myriads upon myriads would be divided by three, but it would be a lot. But he could fill the earth with all the spirit beings that God had given him to rule in the reign. He was given ability to rule and reign over the spirit being world for God. But here's the one thing Lucifer could not do, and it's going to be the battle for the rest of the Bible. The one thing Lucifer cannot do is multiply. And this throws him, my opinion, it throws him for a loop when he hears God say that these creatures that are in his image can multiply because as good as Lucifer is, as wise and beautiful, he cannot accomplish this task. He is set with whatever he was given charge over, it will never be any more. He cannot multiply, he cannot increase, he's been bound to a specific way he was created, but when God creates Adam and Eve, it is really weird because God creates them, not only in his image, but with the ability to reproduce that image over over and over and over and over and over, exponentially. So exponentially over time, watch this now, exponentially over time, if humans don't die, humans would ultimately reproduce so much that they would overtake any angelic realm at all. Because they would just keep multiplying, never dying. And if they never die, could you imagine from the beginning of time to present, if we've never had a funeral, how many humans would be on planet Earth? Here's something to think about. We often talk about that we're running out of space and we're running out of, you know, uh, whatever, all of the resources of earth. But you have to think that God thought this through when he created the earth and put humans that could multiply for eternity. God must have put enough resources on planet earth to handle multiplying humans throughout eternity. So this thought that mother earth is just going to cease to exist and we're going to go into oblivion, I don't think really is how God set this thing up. Here's the thought. Multiplication of seed will be the wisdom of God for the destruction of Lucifer's kingdom. In other words, two humans don't seem so much a threat to Lucifer. But multiply humans exponentially through an eternal realm and you find out that these humans who will rule and reign will bring great destruction on Lucifer's kingdom. Now because that is true and humans can multiply and Lucifer cannot, the corruption of the seed will be the wisdom of Lucifer to destroy God's kingdom. If I cannot multiply and humans can multiply, then what I must do as an arch enemy is I must corrupt the seed that multiplies so that they will not govern over me. I can out, and and this is why death is so critical. Once Adam dies, Lucifer already has in his favor a mark in the wind column because he's an eternal spirit being that won't die and now that he's corrupted the seed and they start dying, and we said this a few weeks ago, he will always outlast any human that's here. And we often say this, he knows us humans better than anything because he's been here from the beginning of time. We die off and just keep reproducing, but we die So he knows, this is in his wisdom, he knows that if humans are created to multiply and not die, then he has to learn how do I corrupt the seed so that they cannot multiply. If he can stop multiplication, he can pretty much win the game. So this is where we come in with Genesis 3 now with this thought in mind. Lucifer's not just trying to gain a foothold because he wants the Garden of Eden. He's trying to stop the multiplication of the seed before it ever starts off. And he's going to hold God accountable to his word because here's the thinking of it. When, When they sin, the Lord God said to the serpent, now here's the thinking in Genesis 3. After they've sinned, God addresses the serpent. Because you've done this, you're cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You'll crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as you live. And then here's the prophetic, the very first time in the Bible that God gives a prophetic unction toward the future. And this is the unction. It's a strange word that's in there. I put it in red. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And now God tells us what the battle is going to be for the rest of time. Until time is over, the battle between Lucifer and God will be over the seed of humans. That's the whole fight. And we can make it about us, we can make it about our weight, we can make it about our emotions, our money, our marriage, but the battle is going to be a hostility between two sets of offspring. And so now God even tells us something that Lucifer will have an offspring which is weird because the only two people there are Adam and Eve, so God even prophesies knowing that Lucifer has his wisdom put in him, even knowing within the thing that between your offspring and her offspring, God already knows, this is my opinion here, God in his infinite knowledge already knows that Lucifer is planning to multiply his kingdom using the seeds of Adam and Eve to multiply his offspring. So Lucifer is not some stupid Hollywood, red horns, beady eyes, pitchfork, long-tailed, dumb person. He is a brilliant, created being of God. And now, for the first time, we get the three words, a hostility between two sets of offspring, a hostility between two sets of seeds. The whole battle is going to be over the multiplication of seeds. So what I would like to do tonight is I would like to talk to you about the seven corruptions of seed and what the devil is going to do to corrupt the seed and how he methodically plans it out all the way up until tonight we'll end with talking about you and I tonight but we're going to go back to the beginning of time, we're going to run through the seven corruptions of seed and how each of those play out into the rest of the Bible And the offspring of the devil begins to show up with the offspring of God. And then all through the Bible, the hostility of the two seeds. So right there in Genesis chapter 3, if I was going to define the Bible in one sentence, this would be it. Verse 15 would be the theme of the entire Bible. There's going to be a hostility between God's kids and Lucifer's kids. And then there's going to be a demise along the way when he strikes the head. I think that's the entire Bible played out. Let's just show you how it works out with the seven corruptions of seed. Here's the first one. Lucifer in his wisdom, because he knows if Adam and Eve multiply, he can corrupt their seed, he's going to win this game. So the first seed that he comes in, is he comes in to corrupt the seed of Adam. Now to understand how powerful this is, we have to go and look at this scripture. At last, now this is the moment Eve comes into the game. At last, Genesis 2.23, this is now bone of my bone, Adam will say, and flesh of my flesh, and she, the woman, will be called woman. Because she was taken from man, and this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And verse 25 is profound. It shows up all through the Bible, but it's introduced here. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So, I don't, you know, I mean, we kind of look at that as, well, they just had on no clothes, but... There's this thought that they're naked, meaning unclothed, but there's something missing in this unclothed, and they call it the word shame. I wrote this down as a thought. that will kind of show you how powerful this is between these two. The two joined as one. That's Adam and Eve, but they're one. They're one being brought out of the other, distinctly different. How many of you believe humans, girls and guys are different? Yep, just raise them, and you'll find out real quickly but they are the same essence. Women have kidneys and hearts and knees and hands and hair, and, but they're distinctly different. They're unique in their purpose, right? Women have a very unique purpose than men, but both together they have to be totally submitted. Now this, two into one, brought out of the other, different but the same essence, unique in purpose but totally submitted, is the purest image of God that will reflect dominion and multiplication. There's nothing greater than Adam and Eve showing that how dominion will work through submission to bring multiplication. And they're going to have to work together, but if they work together, they will multiply. And if they submit to one another, they will multiply, and they will produce the kingdom. However, if that be true, they're brought together, and they're to multiply We could also say if I could bring them together, watch, bring them together to disobey God, then they would also uh, come to a place where they could not take dominion and multiply the way God wanted. Here's something that's interesting. The woman was convinced, this is the sin now. The woman was convinced, she saw that the tree was beautiful, the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, strange, again, an an insert to the phrase, their eyes were opened. Suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Here's what's interesting. Before corruption, they were naked, I wrote this phrase down, their eyes were closed. I don't mean they walked around with their eyes closed. I mean that they, could, they were not allowed to see things as God saw them. There was something about their nakedness that they could not see, so they felt no shame. They were walking around in the perfect wisdom of God, obedient to the wisdom of God. And what God was going to show is that when you, your eyesight is His wisdom, you don't have to worry about shame. But when your eyesight becomes your own wisdom, something strange happens. So the, the strangeness of the sin was, is that their eyesight went from the wisdom of God to the wisdom of, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the moment their eyesight shifted from God's wisdom to their own wisdom, they suddenly look and go, oh my God, we're naked. Yet they had been naked the whole time. It wasn't like they were clothed and then all of a sudden they were butt naked. They they just don't realize it because what their mind and eyes are focused on is His wisdom, not the knowledge of good and evil. But after the corruption, something changes. The thing that changes is they're still naked. So nakedness did not change. The thing that changed is their eyes were opened. And the moment their eyes were opened, and if you... You you take this all the way to the New Testament. You will even hear Paul. It will come out in his writings. I pray that your eyes be opened and your your mind be enlightened, that you would see everything and that you would see into the eternal realm and that you would see into the heavenlies and your eyes would be fixed upon Christ. where Even Paul knows that this was the battle, is that our eyes get distracted to our own wisdom. And the end result is they felt shame. So before corruption, their eyes are closed, and after corruption, their eyes are open. but the end results are distinctly different. Shame is the, the problem. Now, the question, and i give you seven questions for the seven. We're going to run through them. Why was the corruption of the eyes being opened such a powerful corruption of the seed? So the moment their eyes are opened, the seed has been corrupted because now they're disobedient, now they're in rebellion, and now they're in shame. And so the answer becomes, the eyes being opened resulted in shame which brought about the desire to cover self. As soon as they saw the shame, what did they do? They run over the trees, they make some fig leaves, they clothe themselves, and that covering of self was a perverted worship And that will become the root of all false religions through the Bible, which is a love and a perversion of self. This is why on the cross they shout, Hey, if you're God, do what? Save yourself. It goes all the way back to the shame of Adam and Eve. As the Son of God hangs naked on the cross, Save yourself. Come down off of there. Call the angels to come get you. But Jesus is going to teach us that I don't cover my own self. I stay obedient to God. So this first corruption of seed was a corruption where the wisdom of God was perverted for self. And it will become the root of all false religion that waits ahead. Lucifer corrupts God's seed. There's Adam. His seed becomes corrupted with shame and guilt and so now death results so now all I got to do is outlive them the longest it's going to live on planet earth is 969 Methuselah but I keep living I'm, I'm Lucifer so as the scheme plays out Lucifer takes it a step further and Lucifer corrupts Eve's male seed so because Lucifer understands God had a seed which was Adam and I'm going to corrupt that I always say watch like you're not watching. But everything God's going to do, Lucifer's going to come around to hijack the seed. Because he knows if I can do it, I can thwart the kingdom of God. So Lucifer comes in to corrupt the male seed with Cain. Let's read it. This is what it states. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife. She became pregnant when she gave birth to Cain. She said, with the Lord's help, I've produced a man. And later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd and Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented his crops as a gift to the Lord. And also brought a gift, Abel brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And it seems strange that the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But in the red, he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this really makes Cain angry. It almost seems unfair, something happened between mom and dad, maybe they didn't teach him well, but uh, this is what we know from Genesis 3, so maybe mom and dad didn't pass this down to the boys very well, but he says to Adam, God says to Adam, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you to eat, what is cursed? The ground is cursed. But it's the very thing that Adam or Cain tries to bring to God is a fruit from a ground that's already cursed. In other words, Cain wanted to bring the best of the thing that was already cursed. And God is like, yeah, that's not the way we do this. You're not going to bring the cursed ground to me and bring the best of the fruit from a cursed ground because I'm not going to receive that which is cursed. That which comes to me has to be purified by blood, which is why... Abel brings a portion of his flock. So you can imagine this really ticks Cain off. This is what I do. I work with the dirt. The dirt is cursed. I brought my best to God. He gets mad. And then this is what happens. I wrote this down. Why was the corruption of the ground as a gift such a powerful corruption? That the enemy comes into Cain and in some strange way Cain's mind says I can bring this gift to God from the dirt But what it does in the firstborn child uh, that we have in the redemptive story is it opens him up to something other than multiplication. And here's what it does. The ground as a gift resulted in rejection, which brought about the desire to murder rather than multiply so now the devil is taking it a step deeper. Not only can I outlast you because I'm eternal and you're gonna die because I corrupted Adam, now I'm gonna corrupt his seed and now I don't have to outlast you as long because I'll have you killing each other. And so the murder was a perverted wisdom. Adam was a perverted worship. I can, I can do my own thing and see it my own way and cover my own self. Cain's a corruption, of seed, was a perverted wisdom. I can bring whatever I want to bring to God. I don't have to bring a blood sacrifice. I can bring the ground. And this murder that was a perverted wisdom is so powerful in Cain, it plays out in Judas. Because Judas is not thinking, hey, let's multiply the kingdom. Judas is thinking, let's murder the king. And so this seed that was perverted in the beginning of a perverted worship, and now a perverted wisdom begins to play out all through the Bible. And Lucifer corrupts the male seed, Cain, and here's what's interesting. Uh, as he comes to Cain, the, if you read the Genesis account in Genesis chapter 4 and 5, Lamech actually continues the murderous seed and murders again, so even in the line of Cain, people just start murdering each other. So the enemy's already sucked himself into the life of Cain and he's got people murdering each other from Cain so he's corrupted the seed to where we kill each other rather than multiply. The third is Lucifer corrupts the female seed. Not only does he corrupt the male seed by getting Cain to murder Abel and now he's got the whole line of Cain and he's working in Cain, now he takes the girl's. When Adam was 130 years old, Genesis 5, he became the father of a son who was just like him in his very image and he named him Seth. And after the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years and had sons. And then this phrase is tucked away real nicely, it's about the only time it's ever mentioned in the Bible so it's easy to read over because we really don't even tell you their name, we just kind of go ahead and tell you their gender, that he had a bunch of daughters. But because now Lucifer knows that not only do they birth males, that I will have kill, they're birthing females. So now he goes after the female seed. And in Genesis 6, then when people begin to do what? There it is. They're still trying to do it. They're still trying to multiply. Even though they die, they keep reproducing. They just reproduce and die. So they really don't multiply, they just add. So they add, then subtract. Then they add, then subtract. But it feels better to go, hey, we're multiplying. There's more and more and more of us. And so the sons of God, the daughters were born to them. And the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took away all that they wanted as their wives. The Lord said, my spirit is not going to put up with them anymore. They're mortal flesh, and their lifespan will be no more than 120 years. And in those days, and for some time after that, giant Nephilites lived on the earth for whenever the sons of God, weird. I'll get there when we get to chapter 6, but the intimation is is that the spirit world was corrupting the, the natural world and the spirit world was having intercourse with the natural world and corrupting an entire seed. So blatant it was, that God looks at the extent of it, calls it totally evil, and then in a strange comment, it says it broke his heart. One version says he wished he would have never made them. So we're not talking about just, you know, God's having a bad day here. He's looking at all the humans that have multiplied, and he's realizing real quickly this battle is a pretty big battle because Lucifer has so corrupted the seed through Cain and his line and got all the people murdering, and now through all the daughters and having intercourse with the spirit world, with the human world, that the entire human population seed bed is pretty much annihilated. And it's not that God doesn't care about humans, it's that God can only save the human race through the seed of a woman. There is no other way, and if, and if there's no women left, and we know that there's only four left, There's the three daughters of Noah, and then there's Noah's wife. So there's four women in the narrative that really are the only women that are still pure. The only women that could still have a child and not be corrupted by the seed of Lucifer. And so God pulls them up in the story of Noah. We'll teach it when we get there. Saves only eight people. It seems so strange that God would create but only save eight. But his saving of eight was because there was none other that were... Not corrupt. They were all corrupted and gone. So why was the corruption of the female side of Adam such a powerful corruption? Because if the female seed can be destroyed, there would be no way for God's prophetic will to manifest. Remember what he told Eve. Your seed, woman, will crush his head. So if the devil can get the seed of the women out of the way to where all the women on the planet are corrupt... There's no way God could use a woman to take him out, thus God is a liar, thus my head will never be crushed. So not only is he working on the original humans to destroy them with death and their own wisdom and way, he works on the first kid to destroy his wisdom and send him out in left field and birth a whole generation of murdering kids that are born. If you read the genealogy, we will later. Then he touches the girl's, So he finds himself working in every situation. So now he's got Adam and Eve. His corrupt seed brings death to them. They can't outlive Satan now. He's come to the male seed of Cain. And he's now entered into a human agreement with them so that not only do you die naturally by natural causes, I'm going to kill you off now through anger, rage, and hate. And now not only am I going to have you killing each other off, I'm going to corrupt the seed so that that which you birth will not even be able to be used by God. So he's working the whole time. in all of these stories we read in the Bible, like Noah and Abraham, the enemy is working the whole time to stop it. It's not just stories that we can go, What not that so good, Abraham and Sarah? She was 90 when she had a baby. That's just so awesome. They're teaching us... The narrative of the story is that there's an offspring fighting an offspring. And every story, my opinion, every story in the Bible is offspring fighting offspring. John 8, you are your father, the devil. We are not of the father, of the devil. We're of Abraham, your children of the devil. And so there's this battle that goes on and rages on. Here's number four Lucifer now will corrupt Noah's seed. We've we've got it down to eight people. So if there's only eight people on the planet, we're at a pretty good start. First off, from God's perspective, it's a clean slate. I can start over. All they need to do is be obedient. All they need to do is listen to my wisdom. All they need to do is do what I say. All they need to do is not be in the flesh. All they need to do is trust me and live life like I want them to. So Noah does this beautiful thing of 100 years of obedience creates this uh, ark to save the world his family is saved, he gets off the boat he creates him a garden, he makes him a vineyard and like any man that's been on a boat with a woman and animals and a family for over a year gets drunk he's probably thinking you have no idea what it's been like to be there a year with elephants and giraffes and my wife telling me clean up it stinks in here Because they can't open the door and shovel it out. So can you imagine a year of just the methane that's going? That's why God had them put windows up top. Just the odor of animals and no showers. You're just locked in this boat, which is strange for a year. So I can't really knock the guy that when he gets off the boat, he gets drunk. He's probably just thought, you know, I deserve this. And when he gets drunk, this is interesting And after the flood, Genesis 9, Noah began to cultivate the ground and planted a vineyard and one day drank some wine he had made and became drunk. Look at what shows back up again. The word naked shows back up. Anytime you see the word naked, you better know you're probably in your own wisdom and you're probably in your own way and you're probably in a little bit of self-worship here. So it doesn't take long. No, Noah doesn't kill anybody. Noah doesn't murder anybody. Noah's Noah's not building some shrine to another god. He just simply gets drunk and gets naked. But what is nakedness? Nakedness is a sign of shame. And nakedness is, in the the realm of what we've been talking about, nakedness is a pretty good sign that you're in a perverted state of self-worship. I would say a drunk dude who just did what God wanted him to, is like, good, come back tomorrow, I just need a little me time. He gets naked inside his tent. Why? Because every human wants to cover their nakedness. It just was fig leaves with Adam and Eve, and with Noah it's a tent. But it's the same concept. I can get stone cold, drunk, and naked, and as long as i got something under me, God doesn't know, I'm okay. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Shem, him, and Japheth took a robe and held it over their shoulders and backed into the tent to cover their father. In other words, they won't even look at him. But even though though Noah is in the tent, they do something that was done even in the garden with God. They back in and they cover him. And they put a covering over him just like God did. They don't really tell us what it is, but just like God did to cover Adam and Eve... His other two sons cover him and as they did this, they looked the other way because they would not see, so they would not see him naked. Uh, Some will get there, but some history teaches that Ham actually had sex with his father and that's why it was such a violation and his other two brothers come in. And when we get there, we'll, we'll talk about that. When Noah woke up from his stupor, doesn't tell us how long he was passed out, but obviously for a while he learned what Ham, his younger son, had done. So his brothers told on him. That's a sign they're boys. They're going to tell on their youngest brother. They're going to tell on the little baby that spoiled rotten and his mama's favorite. We're going to tell on him. So Noah does something that shows you it does not take long for the devil. Let's go from the devil's perspective. I've corrupted most of the earth. I've corrupted Adam's line with death. I've corrupted Cain, they murder each other. I've corrupted the women that that I've perverted the seed. I've done a pretty good job because God is so ticked he wishes he would have never made them. Chalk one up for me, he's going to kill them all off. Chalk two up for me, he thought they were multiplying and going to take me out. Chalk three up for me, I just took the entire planet down to eight people. Chalk four up for me, I got this thing. So think about it from a family of offspring versus offspring you suddenly eliminate every person on the planet that was bearing the image of God except eight. Lucifer's probably going, I'm smarter than I thought I was. But he doesn't stop. He doesn't take a break because there's eight people. And any time there's a human being, there's potential for them to multiply and destroy my kingdom. So he steps into the thing. He steps into the life of Ham, one of the boys, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And this is what happens. Ham is cursed. So now a curse is spoken over Canaan, the son of Ham. And this is what he says Noah said, May Canaan be cursed, and may he be the lowest of the low. Genesis chapter 10. Here are the descendants of Ham. Get ready, it's about to get really deep. Not, not deep like Revelation, but just deep in how hard the enemy's working. The descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. And the descendants of Cush, it runs through them. And these were the descendants of Nimrod. And Nimrod built his kingdom, uh, in verse 10 at the bottom in red, he built his kingdom in the land of Babylonia with the cities of Babylon. So now we see that out of Ham comes this, you remember reading all about Babylon, Daniel, the whole book of Daniel, Babylon comes in. So from this kid right here, Lucifer is already setting up an entire kingdom of people that are going to torment God's people for a long time. Out of this group will come the Tower of Babel because out of Ham comes Nimrod who builds the city of Babylon and out of that rolls Babel. And so it it gets worse if you thought that was stopping. Also out of his line come the territory and the cities of Nineveh. Anybody remember about Nineveh? They were perverted city that God tries to send Jonah to. In other words, even though Lucifer is perverting the seeds of human and getting them all on his team, God's still fishing for people on his team. And Lucifer's like, I got all of Nineveh there mine. I got all of these Babylon's mine. And uh, here's what's strange. Even in Babylon, God sends Daniel, and Daniel becomes a testimony. Because the kids are fighting the kids. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's this huge Babylonian empire. And they're going to chunk three guys into a furnace. And God's like, alright, you're going to mess with my kids. I'm about to blow your mind here. You're going to throw my kids in the lines then. I'm going to show you. might have a million more than me. But my one against your lions, I got you. You can just see God's kids and the devil's kids fighting the whole time. But all those books we read come because the seed somewhere down the line of historical descendants got corrupted. This is where it gets interesting. It may make the Bible make sense to you. Canaan, who was Ham, his oldest son was Sidon, the ancestors of the Sidonians, and Canaan was the ancestor of the Hittites. Anybody remember all these ites? The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvavites, the Zemorites, and the Hamathites, the Canaan clans eventually spread out and the territory of Canaan extended from Saigon all the way as far as Sodom and Gomorrah. So now the whole thing is getting perverted through one kid. One child. Is well, Here's what's weird. The perversion of one of Noah's kids that did something that he shouldn't have done and saw his daddy naked opened up the enemy to come in and corrupt the seed. And out of the seed comes the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and all of the ites that were constantly in the Judges and Joshua and all the battles that are going on. here they are, sitting right here. And so the devil is working it. And now here's what's interesting. Where did God send Abraham to go look for land that was going to be his? To Canaan. In other words, God's like, okay, you think you got enough people in the land that I'm going to give? Now I'm coming to take you out. Now the reason, well, I won't get there, I'll wait. But the, the reasoning, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you. The reasoning, when Joshua goes in and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, and we go, why, does God have, why is God having him kill everybody? Why is God having him kill the babies and all? You have to go back to what happened in Noah's generation. The entire land of Canaan was perverted. Not just with sinful people, but was perverted with the seed of Lucifer. He was still working. That's why there were giants in the land. We cannot go in. They're giants. They're huge. They were even telling us that the whole land of Canaan was so perverted that there are giants there. In other words, there's spiritual things going on of darkness where there are giants in the land. We cannot do this. And God's like, go in and kill them and kill the kids and kill the women and don't bring anything with you. I don't want to see a thing. It's not that God doesn't like a Canaanite person. He saved Rahab. But it's that God knows that the perverted seed of Lucifer is working overtime and we have to eliminate his seed. So why was the corruption of Noah's seed such a powerful corruption? If Lucifer can corrupt one of the eight remaining seeds on earth, He has a greater chance to wreak havoc on God's people as they multiply. Remember we said Lucifer cannot multiply. But what he can do, I'll come back to this, but what he can do is he can take over one of the seeds and multiply through them. So that he's not multiplying angelic beings or spirit beings, so to speak. He's multiplying his kingdom through humans that are willing to work with him. So now I have angels at my disposal, I have spirit beings at my disposal, and I have humans that multiply at my disposal. Now my kingdom is growing along with God's kingdom. Because God has angels at his disposal, Hebrews 1.14, God has the Holy Spirit at his disposal, and God has you and I at his disposal. So now the battle becomes really is angels aren't going to multiply. So now the real battle is, are we or are we not going to be at God's disposal? And it really becomes on whose kingdom do I multiply? My own for Lucifer or God's for his kingdom? Let's go back to that so you can fill in the blanks. If Lucifer can corrupt one of the eight remaining seeds, he has a greater chance to wreak havoc on God's people as they multiply. And he does. He does. Uh, by the time we get into cha- uh, book two, Exodus, they're wreaking havoc. All of God's kids are now in slavery. And pretty much from Exodus on, it's just a war. It's a war with the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Greeks, it, it, the Persians, their own selves. They kill each other off. They, so bad it gets, they split the kingdom into the north and the south. The enemy's working full throttle. So Lucifer corrupts Noah's seed and out of that is Ham, comes Babel, Babylonian and comes the Canaanites and all the Ites and the Hittites and Perizzites. So as you read through that in your Bible reading go back to Ham and go Lucifer was so smart he got into the seeds of human and now he's building him a kingdom that will fight. Number five, Lucifer corrupts Abraham's seed. If you remember the story, we'll read it, but just for a comment, Abraham was given a covenant by God that he and Sarah would have a baby, it doesn't go as planned, so what do they do? They do what all of us do, they get in their own wisdom. If you can corrupt the wisdom of God, I've got you. If I can corrupt his wisdom, I can corrupt your worship and I've got you. And now you're working for me because you no longer trust the wisdom of God. And if you don't trust the wisdom of God as his kid, you're just as good as my kid. So you can be a born-again Christian, but not trust the wisdom of God, and you're just as valuable to the devil as someone who's his own kid. That's and that's what you got to know. This is why you can have all these religious people over here, but they have no power at all to do anything but be religious So he comes in now. Let's just let let it soak in a minute. Because I want you to understand that the Bible's not just historical books. The Bible is a battle. And the stories are insight into the battle. And the insight into the battle is because God said a seed would crush another seed. And every story is a seed. And so here they come. There's seven of them that come all the way to the New Testament. I got Adam in death. I got Cain to murder. I got Nephilim to corrupt the women so they can't have children. I got Ham to give me a bunch of people on my team so that my team grows just as fast or faster than God's team. And now I'm about to really destroy it because now I'm going to take the son of Abraham. And if you want to know why Abraham was so... I'll I'll get to the next slide and he'll tell you. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children Oh, watch this, this is so interesting. <laughs> but she had an Egyptian servant. I mean, just casual reading, it's like, I guess she was good looking, dark skinned, you know. But if you really think, uh, by the time we get into the book of Exodus, who is it that they're under slavery? Egypt. So the devil is already working with Egypt before Egypt ever puts them in slavery. He's just working with Egypt through one little girl who really is not a threat because she's not a pharaoh. She's not a magician. She's just a little girl. But this little girl from Egypt is going to create a big problem because the enemy's always working outside. So the Lord prevented me from having children, Sarah said, which was weird because he promised he would give her one. Perhaps I can just have a child through her. I don't know if she was drinking whiskey or not, but... She doesn't seem very smart right now. Uh, and Abraham, poor little fella, thinks, well, that's a great idea, honey. So Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. In other words, go sleep with our maid, go sleep with our servant girl, have sex with her. So what we know from Sarah now is the enemy's already working to corrupt the seed. You cannot trust the wisdom of God. Trust your own wisdom here. Does't matter what God told you, sounds just like what he was saying to Eve. It uh, doesn't matter. Trust your own way. Yeah, I'm going to trust my own wisdom. Look, why don't you just go sleep with her? I'll go to the other room. You go to the other tent. And so Abraham, being a good husband, said, Yeah, I'll do that. So he took Hagar the Egyptian servant and gave her to Abraham as a wife. Ready? This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. This is the land of promise. This is the land that God is going to give the Israelites. This is the land where all the battles are going to come, but in this moment, this is before there's a battle. This is before there's a problem. This is before there's a Moses to lead him out. This is before there's a Joshua to lead him in. Lucifer is so brilliant, he already knows God promised him Canaan, so he goes all the way to the seed of Abraham, who's sitting in the land, been there for 10 years, And now Lucifer enters the seed of the promise that God said, you're going to take my land. And Lucifer's like, oh, no, no, you're not going to take my land because I'm going to take your kid. And he lies and ends up birthing Ishmael. I will confirm my covenant. This is why this battle is so powerful. With you and your descendants, after you from generation to generation, an everlasting covenant, God said, I'm going to be your God and the God of your descendants, and I will give you the entire land of Canaan. Where was Canaan? It's that flow of ham that had been cursed and perverted. Where are the Canaanites? They're all these people that are totally distant from God, but God hadn't forgotten. I'm going to get my land. I'm going to get my people. And Abraham had been in that land 10 years when Lucifer comes in to try to thwart the plan of God. He doesn't want them to multiply. Even God says it's all about the descendants serving God. Again, we have seed versus seeds. And it's going to be their possession and I will be their God. So He even, I think even in this moment lets Lucifer know this is not your land and I'm going to be God and I'm going to have my people here. And uh, it gets really interesting because here's what they say about Ishmael. This son of yours will be a wild man. He'll be untamed as a wild donkey and he'll raise his fist against everybody. And everyone will be against him and yes, he will live in open hostility against his relatives. So now the devil has amped it up a little bit. Now the devil isn't just corrupting with death. You're dying. I know you'll die. You'll just die off quicker. You'll get down about 120 years at best. And then I'll have you murder each other so you might not even make a hundred because I'll get you ticked, you'll kill somebody. And then I'll pervert the seed so there'll be so much demonic activity going on, God won't be able to do anything. Think about the guy chained up in, in the Gadarenes that can't even accomplish anything. Oh, and then by the way, I'm going to create a nation of people that will forever haunt you. And they will haunt you forever. Now watch, here's where it gets interesting. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants. Are you and I a descendant out of Abraham's line? Yes, we are, because we were grafted in. The moment we were birthed into the kingdom of God, we were grafted in, and the promises of Abraham become what? They become my promises. So here's what you get. It doesn't sound fun. But the moment you got grafted into Abraham, you got a guarantee that there would be a people on earth who would create hostility for every one of God's people. That's right. Amen. And so this is what he said. He's going to do it to all of your relatives. So welcome to the battle. Amen. Why was the corruption of Abraham's seed such a powerful corruption of Ishmael? By corrupting the seed of Abraham, Ishmael, Lucifer can now lay claim to pervert the covenant of God via the right of the firstborn. Ishmael was the firstborn, and because of God's law, I have a right to it. I have a right to the land through the firstborn, and I took the firstborn. And the firstborn of mine was not the covenant promise of God with Abraham and Sarah. The firstborn was Abraham and Hagar, and I have a right to the firstborn. And through the firstborn, Lucifer is going to create a perpetual hostility. And it's going on right now. Did you know that? Right now today, in 2022, Ishmael was the ancestor of the prophet Muhammad. And from his line of descent is birthed the religion of Islam. And the Islamic forces have forever been at war and hostility with Israel. And all because they believe... That they lay right to the claim of the firstborn. Right now in Israel, the Palestinians fight with the Israelis over the Temple Mount because this was Mohammed, God Allah. This is our temple. This is our land. We have a right to it because we're descended from the firstborn. And then the Jews say, well, we're the children of the covenant because we descended from Isaac. And the Palestinian Arabs say, no, we're the firstborn. And so here we are in 2022. 2022. And we're still fighting a hostility because Lucifer got into a seed. So when you watch TV now and you, you sit on TV and they say, well, there's Islamic terrorism out there, there's all kind of crazy things going on. I can't believe it. This Islamic terrorist and these jihad, God told you what they would be. That's right. A wild man against everybody and hostile to anything. I mean, just I'm not saying the whole. Anybody that's Muslim, but I'm talking about the whole Islamic terrorist is is here to create hostility. And it and it keeps rolling and keeps rolling and keeps rolling. So I'll leave it up there one more time. He corrupted the seed of Abraham. It was Ishmael rather than Isaac, and it was to pervert the covenant of the firstborn. They still fight over it today. This goes to the book of Revelation here. So powerful is this fight that it's going to take someone called the Antichrist to come in and settle the disagreement. And when the Antichrist comes in and settles the hostility between Ishmael and, get ready, the the king of glory is about to come. Ishmael, I gave you that, right? Ishmael is said to be the ancestor. And Let's look at it. Here they are again. I'll let them soak in and we'll look at number six. I'll run through them, just take a breath. We corrupted Adam, people die so they won't live forever and multiply and be exponential. I corrupted Cain, I'll help you kill each other off so you won't be a threat. I corrupted the daughters to pervert the seed so women can't bring about the Messiah. And now I will be able to multiply my kingdom with them. I'll I'll multiply or corrupt Ham, and I'll get humans to be on my side and I will totally try to uh, create all kind of war with you and problems to thwart the kingdom from going and then I'm going to just jump right in, and I'm going to cause forever hostility on every front that I can till Christ returns. Lucifer come to now, to the New Testament. He comes to corrupt Mary's seed, which is Jesus. We know the story, so I did not go there to tell you that Lucifer tried to corrupt the seed, but he couldn't. He wanted to, but he couldn't. He tried in Matthew 4 to corrupt Jesus. But Jesus won the battle and came out. We know the story, right? So I won't belabor you with the gospel story. But Lucifer knows, though he could not corrupt Jesus himself, he could deceive, we talked two weeks ago, he could deceive humans who would serve him into thinking that he himself was Christ. So I can't take Christ out, but I can pervert the seed of the humans to think that I'm the Christ. And I I put a few scriptures just to show the point. Jesus says many will come claiming they're the Messiah, and they'll deceive many. So now we know that Lucifer is going to work to corrupt the seed of Mary by deceiving people into thinking they are Jesus, deceiving people into thinking they don't need Christ. 1 John 3 says there's the spirit of Antichrist that's already here. And he even lets us know that it's a battle. It's a spirit in you fighting against a spirit that's in the world. But this Antichrist, this against Christ, this I'm going to corrupt the seed of Christ is working just like it was even in the Old Testament. And then Revelation says this, I saw a large red dragon that stood in front of the woman and he came to devour her baby. Even in the book of Revelation, as we approach the end of time, Lucifer is still coming against the seed of Mary. He's coming against the Jewish people. He's coming against the seed of Abraham. He's coming against God's people. Always after the seed. And then this is probably the greatest of how we know he comes against Mary's seed. is before Mary even had a baby, they tried to take him out. And then when he was born, Herod tried to kill him as well. I'm going to get the seed. That's that's the whole thing of the Bible. I'm going after the seed. Lucifer's trying for your heart, and God is trying for your heart. And both of us become a servant of one or the other. Why was the corruption of Mary's seed such a powerful corruption? By corrupting the seed of Mary, Jesus, and how he would do it via deception. Not deceiving Jesus, Jesus won but would deceive his followers, would deceive people in how they saw him. You see this playing out uh, in the New Testament when the religious people call him the son of the devil himself. Jesus Christ, oh, he's Beelzebub. He's the son of the devil. He's the Lord of the flies. he's He's a demon. And Lucifer can now lead many nations into believing that he himself, Lucifer, is God. And that is the end of the Bible where he begins to set himself up as an image and proclaim himself as God going after the seed and what we find is after many nations but the way, here's my opinion the way he does it now is what I taught two weeks ago he does it now through deception because he knows now we have the power to overcome a spirit being we have eternal life given to us so we're going to outlive him regardless come on somebody and now uh, the way he's going to take us out is through deception so let's look at what God does Lucifer takes us out in death, doesn't bother God. God gives us eternal life. Lucifer takes us out in murder, doesn't bother God. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us love, joy, peace, patience. Lucifer goes to take out the daughters of the Nephilim and to take them out. here. Just so you know, three still goes on today. The enemy is still after the womb of women. He's still going after the womb of women to stop the female seed. Doesn't bother God. He's got Mary out there waiting, a little virgin, and out's going to pop Jesus. He comes to destroy Noah's seed and the covenant and the Canaanites doesn't bother God because God says don't worry you're not of this world you might be in this world but you're not of this world don't worry about the Canaanites don't worry about the demonic activity I'm going to put you right in the middle of it you're going to be the light of the world you're going to shine in the middle of darkness so there's all kind of nations out there all kind of evil out there and God's like don't worry about it you're going to go and take ground so God gives us the power he comes to corrupt Abraham's seed Don't worry about it. God says, you're part of my covenant. I've called you into covenant with me. I've given you my Holy Spirit. You're my children. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So in every one where God was corrupted by Lucifer, God had an answer that was waiting. So God is never in all of this, though it looks rather futile as we read through the Old Testament, God's never been worried. He's been working a plan. Well... I tried to corrupt the seed. The seed comes up on the third day. And the seed, here's what's interesting, and this is what I hope inspires you as we close. Lucifer comes to corrupt Jesus' seed, which is the church. And this is the battle we find ourselves in right now. I would like to ask you a question for those of us that are spirit-filled and probably have heard it a thousand times. Jesus said... You shall be endued with what? Power from on high, and you shall be what? Witnesses into the other most. In other words, you will multiply now. It's been about multiplication all along. It was about multiplication with Adam and Eve. And the moment the church was birthed, Jesus says, All right, here's what we need to know. It's not about smoke machines. It's not about televisions. It's not about your praise and worship. It's not whether you wear skinny jeans or not. It's not how hip you are. The thing that will make a difference in my kingdom, will you multiply power? And if you multiply power, you will be a threat to the enemy's kingdom. Well, the devil knows that. He saw it happen. You can only imagine on the day of Pentecost when they go from 120 to 3,000, and then from 3,000, 5,000 more, and you're Lucifer. You're like, oh, it's just 120 people. I got them. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, God, what are they doing out in the street? No, get back in here. You're scared of people. You don't want to be. And they multiply. And Lucifer's going, oh, 5,000. Hey, and he's blowing his whistle. Whee, whee, come here. Oh, God, they just went from 120 to 5,000. What are they doing? I don't know. They're multiplying. Oh, God, we're all the way back to Adam. I thought I had them. And now they're multiplying. Oh, wait, there's 5,000 more. Hey, call in the troops. They just went to 8,000. They're multiplying. They can't multiply. I thought I had them. I had them down to 120 people. I had them with religion. I had them with murder. I had them with hate. I had them with deception. And now, oh God, they're multiplying. i got to stop them multiplying. Well, he does it. We don't even get to Acts 5 before he comes to corrupt the seed of the church. How could the two of you even think to conspire against the Holy Spirit? Ananias and Sapphira. It seems such a harsh story that they just drop dead for lying. Well, it is if you only read the book of Acts, but if you go all the way back that there's an enemy corrupting everything God births, he shows up to corrupt it. God was letting them know corruption will not be in the door of this thing. I'm going to stop you in your tracks at the door. That's why it came through Ananias, the male seed. And then right after the male seed comes the female seed, Sapphira. They both drop dead. Lucifer was trying in the seed of both of them just like he did with Adam and Eve. I will do the male seed with Ananias. He lies. Oh, man, I'll do the female because that's how it worked. He brings the female seed and and, and Peter's like, what? We We just buried your husband. Well, you know, we just thought we could keep a little bit. I know that's your own wisdom and you lied. I'm sorry you're dead. Amen. We don't even get into the church before we have a funeral because Lucifer is going to corrupt it. Paul will say this because now Lucifer's infiltrated the ranks. I'm, I'm shocked that you're turning away from God. These are Christians, these are believers. You follow something. You pretend to be something. You're not even the something you pretend. You've been fooled and you've twisted the truth. So now even Paul lets us know that Lucifer has infiltrated the ranks of God's people. He doesn't need demons. He just needs religious people. He doesn't need magicians and wizards. He just needs people that will be religious and have no power whatsoever. He just needs people whose butts will fill the seats who will never multiply. If you don't multiply and witness, I win because I will outlast you. That's why witnessing is so powerful because when you die, somebody needs to keep the gospel going. I was talking with a friend today and they were trying to help a church. There was a church that was dying off and they're down to about 30 people and it's all elderly people. No young people come, there's no children's ministry, there's no youth ministry, and they're holding on with their claws. Asking what's wrong, why aren't people coming, that's how the enemy works. And if they don't change, one day somebody will come by the building and turn it into a car wash or something. Because we cannot outlast the devil if we don't multiply. And what we've turned into today is not multiplication, we've turned into powders and whiners and church hoppers. And I'm not happy and you hurt my feelings. It's because you're not multiplying. If you multiply, you'll get your feelings hurt. If you multiply, people come that you don't like. If you multiply, you get all kind of people coming in the door. If you multiply, somebody takes your seat. If you multiply, somebody irritates you. That's why we don't want to multiply. I just want God to come and make me happy and get me off this God-forsaken planet. Paul will say to Timothy, I think this is where we are, you act religious, but you have no power. Because when you multiply, it's power. I will say this. this i, I got to end here, but it's a good thought. We're all pretty much spirit-filled people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was not so you could speak in tongues. The baptism was so you could multiply. We've turned it into, do you speak? Oh, I do. Let me hear it. Shalala, ba-ba. And not brought one person into the kingdom for 20 years. But oh, you can die and shoot a pecan down and tie my bow tie. Who stole a Mahonda? Should have bought a Kia, but I bought a Forte just all day long. I'm not opposed to speaking in tongues. I do it. I love it. I love the gifts of the Spirit. But what the enemy did is he turned it into an experience of falling out in the floor and saying a bunch of words rather than going out to the streets in boldness. The baptism of the Spirit was to give us a boldness to go out those doors and tell people about Jesus without apologizing. So now, because we don't have power, we just get religious, and then we come and go, isn't there more than just this? Well, it was a work of the enemy. Then in Revelation, Jesus is kind of miffed. He shows up to his own group of people as the head of the thing and says, well, I got a message for the rest of you. You followed a false teaching. You haven't followed the false teaching. But then he tells us what the false teaching is it's a deeper truth that they call the depths of Satan. And now he tells us the way the enemy works today is he infiltrates the seed of God with bad teaching. You want to destroy God's people, get them hyper focused on terrible teaching things that aren't even scriptural, things that aren't biblical, and even if they are, we have no balance to know who's right and who's wrong, and we just argue all day long, and we have no power over it. So the final question, why was the corruption of Jesus' seed, the church, such a powerful corruption? Because by corrupting the seed of Jesus, the church, via false teaching... Lucifer can keep the power of the church from multiplying while keeping the power of religion increasing with every generation. I will say this about the church in America. We have gotten greatly more religious and a lot less power. And that is because there's an enemy that's working to corrupt the seed. It's why churches split. It's why people quit. It's why we get mad. Preachers hurt my feelings. They didn't call me. It Just when we quit operating in power, our only hope is religion. And here's the conclusion. By corrupting the seed prophesied in Genesis, his seed will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Lucifer maintains a stronghold that thwarts God's people from multiplying in kingdom power and dominion. I present this thought From the moment God prophesied that Adam and Eve should multiply and take dominion, Lucifer has been working to thwart every seed. All the way down to the final thing God birthed. I gave you seven of them. The seventh thing he birthed was the church, and Lucifer's in that too, trying to thwart that. He's working overtime to thwart it. I hope that blessed you. Let's pray.